Welcome back to the podcast, Love, Transform, Restore. This is your host, Charles Prince. I stand before the crowd, listening for my name. They shall be crucified, this man is who to blame. Knowing what I deserve, they free me from my chains. I turn to see his wretched face. I did not know it was his grace. It's you free me from the chains. It's you took away my pain. And now I call upon your Thank you all again for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, I want to apologize for getting this out a little bit later than I had intended to. Um, been having some issues with the phone I've been using for my podcast. Been trying to get that going. And the thing about it is, is the phone I use for the podcast, the battery isn't so good on it. So if I don't have it plugged up for a while, it takes forever for it to come on when plugged up. So I had it on for about two and a half hours and it still didn't come on. So um, had to use my alternative setup using my MacBook, which it worked out good last week uh, using my MacBook and using the Kindle for the music. So worked out good. Hopefully I can try to get some things set up and worked out before next week's podcast. As we've discussed last week, most of this season, we're going to be discussing about apologetics. And the topic we're going to talk about today, we already talked about a little bit in another podcast. Um, I believe it was season one or season two. One of those two seasons, we talked about um, Genesis. And we talked about how many Christians, um, unfortunately, way more than it should be, that are trying to justify evolution and the seven days of creation. As a former atheist, I can tell you right off the bat that you cannot take both. You have to accept one or the other. Many people try to combine both. Um, I was reminded of this the other day when watching a television show. I'm not going to mention the name of it because I do not know what all the copyright things are for when it comes to uh, mentioning this. So I'll just describe it. You might know the show I'm talking about if I mention a little bit about the characters. Uh, the show that I'm referring to involves doctors. So if you're the listener, that would either give you way too many shows or narrow down a few shows. But one doctor, she believes and God, she's religious, kind of set apart from her peers on the show that many of them do not believe in God. So she sometimes gets ostracized a bit, and sometimes she's kind of, the spotlight is on her because of her belief in God. But with that in mind, I ran across an episode the other day, I believe it was last week rather, and the episode really caught my attention because there was a boy that came to the ER and got some work done. I'm not going to mention what the problem is again, 
don't want to chance copyright issues. But the boy had some questions, some biblical questions, because something he was doing is something that he read in the Bible. And one of the first questions he asked is, did God create the earth in seven days or did evolution happen? And this doctor who does have the belief in God said both actually. And she referred to 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Peter. Um, it wasn't in, I don't think it's in chapter 2, but she referred to 2 Peter and talks about how the how a day is a thousand years to the Lord. And matter of fact, I believe it's in chapter 3 that she's referring to, and especially talking about that day of the Lord that's coming. And she talks about how the time how we see time and how we deal with time is different. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And so she had tried to use that to justify that God could have used evolution to create the world. And there's a lot of issues with that. One, this is not talking about evolution. Two, this is in reference to the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord that... These things, you know, the time that's going to pass, you know, is the time with God is different. And even without the judgment coming, time with God is different. So this idea that that justifies evolution is not true. Because first of all, if there was indeed evolution, it would have been mentioned in Scripture. The theory of evolution did not even come till the 1800s. So trying to justify those two things is night and day. Because evolution, some try to combine evolution, but take it from me, a former atheist, taking the theory of evolution, it, the whole theory of evolution came about as attempt as an attempt to disprove the existence of God. And Charles Darwin was very clear about that in both books that he has written. And he is very clear about his intention of why he believes in evolution, which is a very, very racist reason. Um, reading one of his reading his works actually was one of the big things that opened my eyes to evolution and made me realize that wow, this man truly is a racist. And when I hear people say that. Adolf Hitler twisted Charles Darwin. No, he didn't twist Charles Darwin because Charles Darwin strongly believed that there were racists, especially those in Africa, that was inferior to Europeans. So he's not twisting anything. He's believing right there where Charles Darwin is at. But yet no one wants to say or say that that theory is wrong and whatnot because they hate God so much they're willing to take a racist over what God's word says. And so many times I see Christians will try to mix the two and say, well, um, there's nothing wrong with evolution. Or I don't, which in fact they're saying, I don't want to be called out by my peers. I don't want people to make fun of me because I do not believe in a widely accepted theory. Just because everyone accepts the theory does not mean that it is right. It just means more people are wrong. It just means the majority of people are so stubborn and so ignorant not to do the research themselves that they will listen to anyone that has letters behind their name rather than search for themselves and see what the theories are themselves and see if it makes sense because you do not need a background in science to see that a lot of these theories are based purely on trying to 
um, trying to deflect away from God and trying to show that and trying to attempt to show that there is no God and they fail. Because every theory, even if they find a little something that goes and makes their theory stronger, it still is not enough to prove the, the proof that God doesn't exist. And so people are constantly looking for answers. And don't get me wrong. Are there some scientists who genuinely do not believe in God and genuinely trying to find answers? Yes, those are genuine scientists, true scientists, and they don't publish papers with malicious intent. They're just saying, this is what I have found, and these are the conclusions I've come to. So there are, in fact, true scientists that are atheists that I don't think deserve to be in the category that I'm referring to. But there are a number of people, and I've met many of these people during my time I was away from God, and so I know their intent. I know that their goal is to take people away from the scripture as much as possible. I think about Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And I think about that and think about what all has taken place with the past numerous years and people doing everything they can to, to disprove scripture. And I think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. And I'm not going to read all of this, but I want to read a little bit of this. Starting at verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I want to stop right there. The uh, reason why I'm starting at these at this verse, and we're going to look at other verses, and uh, also in 2 Timothy as well. But I want to focus on these verses because one reason I believe Christians are so quick to adapt the theory of evolution or other of the many numerous theories that have come up with man that are in direct violation of the word of God and stand in direct confrontation with what God has said is because we do not take the time to read scripture. We do not take the time to realize the and see the, the logic that's within scripture. Because if you truly break down each theory and study each theory and study what the Word of God says and how the world was created, you will see that the Word of God comes out more logical than the theories of man each and every time. But that's not popular to say because if you watch TV, especially the episode I was referring to at the beginning of this podcast, if you knew nothing about Christianity... Or if you was a Christian and you barely knew anything about it, you would assume that, wow, so I guess you're trying to say that the Bible is wrong. That there's nothing about the Bible I can trust. Because if they're saying that God didn't really create the earth from seven days and that God judged time differently, then why didn't he say that he created the earth in that amount of time instead of seven days. And so just one doubt that you plant will make you say, well, I don't know about the rest of the Bible. And they are good at doing that. They are good at making people distrust the very Bibles we are told to trust and to change our lives upon. We cannot question God's word. We cannot sit here and say, oh, I believe in God. I love God. But yet we won't open up his word. I want to continue starting at verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. 
Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some of dishonorable, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they break quarrels. And the Lord's servant must be must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. You know, if Christians read this passage alone, you know how much less babbling, how much quarreling that would not be happening? There's so much that would be different and change about Christians' demeanor when they actually read and see how our demeanor is to actually be. But most of the time, most Christians do not even crack open their Bibles during the week. Most don't even crack them open on Sundays during service. And we should not be like that. And this might sound like I am picking on people and saying, oh, here he goes again talking about people not studying the Word of God. And it might seem like I do that a lot. But again, I want to emphasize my past. As a former atheist, you cannot, you as a Christian cannot afford not to open your Bibles. Because you'll be surprised of how much worldliness you believe because you do not open your Bibles. Let me give you an example. If most Christians kept in mind what I just read in 2 Timothy 2, 14-26, do you know how many Christians would be arguing about politics online? Hardly any. You know how many people, how many Christians would be arguing about things that are not spiritual? And when I mean... You know, it's one thing if you're trying to defend the truth and defend what the Bible says, or even in some cases, if other type of defense like defending your character, defending someone you know. Okay, that's one thing, but I will see people get into arguments and fights over the dumbest things. And they may not be dumb in the sense of it being dumb as far as how it affects our lives, but when compared to spiritual things, I have seen people who will share and um, especially social media, they'll share it, they'll you know, talk about everything under the sun, but when it comes to the Word of God, it's nothing. And the reason why I think we don't talk about the Word of God enough is because we don't read it enough. And atheists jump on that. That's the reason why atheists win a number of battles, because we do not know how to defend the Word of God. And... And I want to read 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, as we see in verse 17 as well. We have to realize that the word of God truly 
is all-powerful. It is inspired. It contains the very breath of God. When we fail to realize that, when we fail to realize that that is the case, we are liable to fall for anything. You know, I hear a lot of times Christians will tell me that they find the Bible boring. You know, say, I open the Bible, it gets boring real quick. So I don't read it that much. You know, and I'll ask these same questions. I was like, do you find football boring? It's like, oh, definitely not. I don't find football boring. Matter of fact, I love football. I was like, so what do you do if someone tells you they find football absolutely boring? Oh, I'd be so offended and mad because I don't see how they can find football boring. And then they'll go into these reasons about why they don't find, why that person shouldn't find football boring. And like, yeah, because... You know, the action is going on a lot. You know, it keeps you on the edge of your seat unless your team's being blown out. You know, you you know, you don't know what's gonna happen. You can always expect the un, you know, the unexpected to happen during some football games. You know, so I don't see how someone can't be excited about football. Or we can play some any other sport, basketball, baseball. I know a lot of people that think baseball's boring. Um, probably the minority that absolutely can sit through a baseball game and be satisfied. <laughs> but you know, so but the thing I'm getting at, though, is why do some people find sports or certain sports fun and exciting while others don't? Because it's fun and exciting to those who take an interest in it. It's fun and exciting to those who genuinely enjoy it because they have invested their time and their energy into that sport. So what am I trying to say here? Do you think it's possible that many Christians find reading the Bible boring because they do not have a genuine interest in the Word of God? That they are playing around and thinking, oh, do I really need God's Word? I love God. I got the preacher to tell me what to do every week, so do I really need to open up this book? It's really sad because if you talk to anyone who is a devout follower of any religion in the world, they can tell you what's in their religious text. May not be able to quote it exactly, but they can tell you generally what is in the text. For most Christians, most Christians cannot tell you what's in the text because most Christians base their Christianity with inside the church building. They base their Christianity based on what their preacher has told them, what their leadership has told them. They, we do not investigate for ourselves. And that is one reason why it is not uncommon to see so many Christians mesh evolution and the things that man's theories have came up with, with the word of God. Because we do not have enough interest and faith. Because I want to put this too. There are people that have interest in the word of God and they study it every day and they still fall for it. And, I, and so you might be asking, so what's their excuse? I think it's because we have a desire as humans not to want to stand out. Because if we stand out, that attracts attention to us. And the attention we get might not always be positive. You might get called out. Um, it hasn't happened lately, but I've had people call me out. I've been called names online, especially when I had Twitter and post things about God online there. Oh, I got called names, some pretty nasty names that I cannot repeat on this podcast. I've been called some horrible things. I've been um, told that I should die. 
because if there's less of us spewing this God, and I'm not going to repeat what they said, I'll just say it starts with an S, ends with a T. If I don't start spilling that God that, then, you know, they say if there's less of us doing that, then less that people have, you know, the quicker people can be free of this false idea of God. And so I've been told that, and I'm not going to lie, it does hurt, but that does not stop me from preaching the truth and telling the truth. And we allow these things to make get us down. But one of the things we have to realize is in order for us to truly be believers of Christ and believers of God the Father and believers of the Holy Spirit, we have to take what we see in Scripture and accept it. Are we sometimes going to have questions about what we read about in Scripture? Definitely. There's times I have questions I want to ask God and be like, why did this happen or why does it happen that way? But I put my faith in God that he knew what he was doing. You have to have more faith to believe in man's theories than to believe in God. Because God gave us what he wanted us to know, things pertaining to life and godliness, and everything else he left alone. Humans, we are curious creatures. We are creatures that love to search for the answer. And we're not going to stop until we have all the answers. And even when we have all the answers, we're still going to try to find, we'll have other questions we're going to ask. So what I'm trying to get at is, is that Christians need to arm themselves with the gospel of Christ. And they need to keep in mind passages like Ephesians chapter 6, which this uh, chapter is one of my favorite because it talks about us having the armor of God on and realizing that we have to not only defend our faith, but also in defending the Word of God. There's so many attacks on the Word of God. And he noticed that it talks about, especially in the one of the two offensive weapons we have in verse six, chapter 6, verse 17 of Ephesians, um, actually verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, but before that in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can't take the Word of God and use the Word of God if you don't know how to wield it. How do you know how to wield the Word of God? By reading it, by studying it. If more Christians read God's Word, not only would we be able to defend it, but we also be able to convince the world that we truly know how to live like Christ. One reason I've there are so many people that are atheists is because they have read the Bible more than Christians have, and so they'll keep expecting Christians to act a certain way and not act like it. You know why a lot of Christians don't act like the way that a lot of people read in the Bible that are not Christians? Why they don't act like the way that they're expected to act? Because most Christians do not open their Bibles. We cannot claim to love God if we do not open our Bibles. I know so many Christians that say, oh yeah, I love God, but they completely forget. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, Jesus speaking, by the way, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do you know the commandments if you don't even open up your Bible? So let's stop pretending that we love God when in fact most of us don't. We might say and pay that lip service that we love God, but until we actually dig 
and search the scripture and understand the scripture, understand the context of the scripture and understand how to defend scripture from those people that want to try to destroy the reputation of scripture, then let's stop pretending that we love God when in fact we've taken Christianity and say, what can Christianity do for me? How can it take care of my problems? How it can take care, well, it's not wrong in asking about your problems, but ask, how can it serve my needs rather than how can I serve the king? We're called servants in the Bible. Christians are called servants. So which means Christ does not serve our needs. The church does not serve our needs. God does not serve our needs. We serve the needs of Christ the king. We serve the needs of him and no one else. Once we start thinking about what can Christianity do for me or saying, I don't want to go attend this congregation no more because, you know, I don't like the songs they sing or I don't like how they do this. It's like once we start doing that, then we've stopped making Christianity about Christ and made it about us. I know we're supposed to be in the apologetics talking about the defense of God and the offense of scripture. But the point I'm trying to make across here is we can't be, we can't have an apology. We can't defend the word of God if we don't know what's in it. If we don't dig, you know, as we, if I mentioned the uh, example of sports, to some people, there's some sports that People know it might like for me, I understand football really well. But for some people, football goes over their head. They don't understand why certain things are not. Why do I understand football? Because I've watched it. I invest my time. I know what goes on in a football game and I know the rules of a football game, both college and NFL. I prefer college. I'm from the South, as you would probably know. But I know how these things are to do or how they go about. So can you imagine if we took that same time and energy into the word of God and truly try to understand it? we contact our preachers and our elders and Bible school teachers and ask questions and dig and try to find out what the word says, we can truly be the Christians that can shock and turn the world upside down. But we can't do that if we do not even know what is written in God's word. How can we say we love God, but you don't even know anything about him? Can you imagine dating someone? And you say, you know, you've been seeing this person. And let's say it's been two years. And someone's asked, oh, you love so-and-so? Yeah, I love so-and-so. Okay, tell me about him. Um, or tell me about her. Um, well, um, I do love him, and I do know that he loves to eat. He's got a favorite restaurant, but that's all I can tell you. You're probably thinking, you've been dating two years, and that's all you know about. You know, in human minds, we would think something's wrong with that. Many people have claimed to be Christians for 40, 50 years. And the answers I gave about the example I use, that's probably more answers than a lot of people can give about God. So let's not talk about defending scripture until we actually study it. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect at it. I'm not saying that everyone has the time to sit down and study it as in as I do as a preacher. But 
We have to make an effort to sit down and set aside time. We can set aside time for TV. We can set aside time for doing the things we truly want to do. And there, and trust me, I'm a busy person, so I understand there's times where we don't even get to do the stuff we want to do. So I know, I get it. There's times that, you know, I hear people say, you'll have time for stuff that you really want to do. And it's like, yeah, there's some times where I really want to do A, B, and C and don't even end up doing it. So I get that. But think about what you're doing on your free time. You cannot spare God 20 minutes. It's a question I have to ask myself. You know, oh, he's a preacher. Well, I have to be careful. Sometimes I don't give that personal study for me to get closer to God. Can't even spare God 15, 20 minutes. Do that. Start there. Learn the scripture. Search for answers. Make connections in the Bible because once you start making connections in the Bible and start realizing context in the Bible, the Bible will not be a boring book to you. It will be a book that's full of wonder and amazement because you get to say, I get to see the mind of God. This is how he works. And that's one of the most beautiful things you can ever see is how God works. So again, I just wanted to do this lesson to help us to remember that we have a responsibility to read the word of God, to understand it. And even things we don't understand, let's ask about it, research about it. Because we need to realize that God truly is the pinnacle of everything. And that his word needs to be taken seriously. So next week, we're actually going to dig into um, defense for God and for Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about defense for the flood and talk about some archaeological evidence that's been found about that, and also in, in trying to help us come to an understanding that the flood truly did happen. Um, there are some that say it didn't happen. Um, one of the more common things you hear among those that try to justify not there not being a flood and there being a um, flood is say that it was a regional flood, not a local, I mean, not a global flood, but we'll talk about that as well. So I pray that you took this lesson as a, all right, you're right, Charles. Let's get the studying together. I know when I was preparing for this, I was thinking to myself, I need to step up my game when it comes to studying God's word. And I'm sure we all do. We can never study God's word enough. Well, again, thank you all for listening and tuning in to this podcast. And again, I'm sorry for getting this uh, late. Didn't mean to be so late on this, but um, I pray that you all will enjoy it, regardless whether you listen tonight or tomorrow. But you all have a good rest of your evening and rest of your week. And to God be the glory. You set me free from Calvary. It's you. It's you free me from the chains. You. It's you took away my pain. And now I call upon your name. Savior and my King, for you, 
my Savior and 